0: everybody to episode 12 of Ed Talks. I'm Ryan. And I'm David. So today we want to have a wee chat about how do we nurture buy-in from teachers into a school? How do we get teachers on board, passionate about committing to the growth of a school? This came out of a conversation Ryan
1: and I had about many teachers, especially in international schools, see their roles primarily as as teaching their subjects which obviously it is but then when you're in a situation where you need to track clients dare I say and, and kind of get some momentum with people coming in your role suddenly also embraces a number of other areas which I think most teachers are not normally good at not because they don't want to be but because they're not aware that they need to be involved in those areas as well.
0: Yeah, and I think in this international teaching circuit, you don't have the security you'd get in a state-sponsored school, say in the UK, you have to keep your students on board, otherwise the school closes, no bums and seats, no school, and that's just a, a reality. So how do teachers get that going where they can, they're can? they committed to the growth of the school, they're doing those things to go the extra mile to keep kids hooked in? And it's an interesting one. there's a lot of discussion about this, Dave and I, were both shared some ideas about the likes of Simon Sinek and uh, other people who talk about getting your staff motivated. But first of all, Dave, just to get your view on this, why do schools need to nurture buy-in from teachers? What does the school get out of it? The first thing is if you've got all teachers
1: playing the same game, it makes your school development and strategy a lot easier. We're all pulling in the same direction. Uh, It makes it smoother and you get more input, you get more information from your teachers and how they can contribute. As I said, it's not just about your subject worth, your subject ability to teach a subject. This is about school strategy and development. So lots of teachers in a good school have lots of very good ideas. And sometimes I think they don't think outside of their own kind of, dare I say, classroom area or their own area of focus, i.e. the subject. And they don't realize actually what richness they can bring to that. And as someone who's only worked in the independent sector all my career, one of the key things that good teachers, when you employ them to a school, is how that buy to the school over and above just the teaching plays significantly on how your school develops and how you attract good students into your school. And I don't mean when I say good, I don't mean bright students. It just you, your job goes further than just imparting knowledge in your classroom. It's about, you know, liaising with parents. It's about liaising with other teachers in the schools. It's about liaising with the management and governors, and having the openness to do so. But how do you do that? And how do you pitch it so that the teachers' role, the teachers see themselves as ambassadors for the school? not just teachers within, and I think
0: that's the key point, the ambassador role that teachers have. And you can also throw in those little extra touches of building those good relationships with students so that they are supported and you're somebody a student wants to approach for help. And I'm I'm wondering even extracurricular activities, and you and I have talked about boarding and the importance of having teachers in boarding uh, and sharing those little bits of the role. But it's interesting, there's loads of schools out there that have different approaches to this and we talk even about the international circuit where there's a turnover of something like 20%. So getting teachers to commit and buy into the goals of the school and even for for what it's worth, staying longer than what traditional models within the international circuit would have so that they can realise those goals with the school. The very first thing a school can do to nurture the buy-in is to hire the teachers that want to commit to the school and want to uh, commit to the growth of the school and to see this go through. most important question in interview, why do you want to work in this school? No, it's a very good point. I mean
1: most teachers will vote with, with a fee. T- they'll, they'll move for salary, they'll move for professional development opportunity or nowadays more and more looking for travel. But what the school needs to do is look at, you know, you, you are getting kind of brand ambassadors into your school when you employ a teacher. And I think that works, especially, I mean, if you take our school, which is a predominantly a boarding school in in the middle of the Swiss Alps, what people say about what goes on in the school and everything travels very quickly in the locality and elsewhere. And I think it's important that your teachers, what they say away from the school and what they do, you know, elsewhere, people listen, people hear it. So, you know, we all have bad days at the office and you may have a bit of a moan about something, but that spreads quite quickly as much as, you know, positivity. And human nature is we talk about the negativities of a day more than we do about the positives, just the way we are. And so I think when you have, um, it's important to get all your teachers together in a school and the leadership needs to talk to them and say, look, this is, you know, you are brand ambassadors for what you do. And and this is what we expect from you in terms of how you you help to support the brand and, and, you know, and and sell the good stuff that we do within. But it's an unusual and it's a difficult, it's it's an uncomfortable zone for many teachers because many academics especially don't understand and feel uncomfortable about getting involved in that. And they say, well, why should we? Well, actually, in most international schools, which, like it or not, are fee-paying schools, fee-income, pays your salaries, you know, that type of thing. You have to get them to understand that, because it's not just a case of we have a shortfall of X 100,000, there isn't a government on our back to give us that kind of bailout, even though, you know, you'll have things. We have to find somewhere. Normally, that means loss of job or, a, you know, a change in structure within the school to accommodate that loss and that type of thing. And so, if teachers understand that, that fabric and how how the school works, I think they will have greater opportunity to help us, all of us, to, to develop the school in a way which goes forward. The analogy I give, and I've, we've t- talked about this before, you know, if, you, if you're working for, say, a shoe manufacturer, let's say Nike, and you're walking in a pair of Adidas trainers, someone's going to call you up and say, well, no, hang on, you're working at Nike, you've got to wear Nike trainers, because that's what we expect. And if you turn around and say, oh, don't be silly, Adidas much better, well, see if that off you go. That's not going to happen. And so you've got to, you've got to sell what you... you know. The worst thing I see sometimes is when you see colleagues coming to a school, for example, um, and they work and they've got a family, and they put their, student, their, their children in another school. And you think, okay, that's fine. There may be, well be genuine reasons for that, for a whole range, but some of them just say, well, no, that's a better school down there. Well, why are you working here then? Why, what's going on? And that kind of conversation can be really interesting. And I've seen it and witnessed it, and you think, that's silly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I think the idea now that a teacher isn't just a teacher, they are brand ambassadors for that school. And whether you're at you know, a Harrow, a Dulwich, a Lyceum, you know, whatever it is, you are an ambassador for that brand. And so what you do and how you do it is, is seen and listened and watched, especially now with social media and everything else going on. And you have to be aware of that. And you, you may not like it, but you have to, I think, it's, a, it's part of a school's responsibility to educate their teaching team that that is an element now of, of what's going on. It's not a dominant one. Just have awareness. Mm. Understand how you know decent displays in your classroom or outside your classroom, how you how you you know, if you're out socially and meeting people, you know, just put positive spin or don't say anything, but don't you know, people listen, people hear, people pick up. How you manage yourself now is a it's a different thing. But as I said, educating teachers, many teachers on the value of that is it's difficult because I've had many conversations with colleagues in different schools who say, Well why do I have to bother about that? Mm-hmm. Why do I need to know about our financial you know, forecast. Why do I need to be aware of our, our brand and what font and what thing I have to do? We, yeah, you do, I'm afraid, because that's just the way that many schools are going. And if, you, and if you don't, and we don't have the numbers, as I said, you, the school doesn't operate. And, you know, it's, it's a difficult one. But I think it's a really exciting one. I think it's great. I think it broadens the toolkit that many teachers have. They realise that their job isn't just about teaching the subject. They've got to go, you know, they have to be involved further. Um, mm-hmm. It's like us now, doing these podcasts. Done a couple of events myself online. I'm quite big on social media. It's not about me or you or anything else. It's about spreading the professional side of education and teaching. Mm-hmm. And we've been really poor at it. Let's get let's cut to the chase. Education has been absolutely terrible at marketing itself as a profession. Mm-hmm. It really has. And the tide the has now changed. You know the, the, you know, the high paid teachers who, you know, of worth and value. That's coming back in, and it's not, not just it's not about money, but it's about value compared to all the other professionals. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in that social context. Hey, what do you do? Oh, I'm in education. Oh, really? Yeah, I would teach. And then they kind of get uncomfortable, have a sip of yeah. wine, and go to the next person. Yeah. So, oh, no, come back here, fella, let's have a chat. But that, that's cha- and it is changing now. The tide is moving. But teachers have to lead on it,
0: and they have to understand, I'm afraid, it's part of their job now, mm-hmm. I think. I remember we talked about this idea of the attitudes in the UK and not entirely valuing as teachers so much. And was that old saying, those who can't do, those who can't teach and all those sort of silly... Oh, that's, if the, if that's if the one thing. You know.
1: Funny yeah. enough, today um, I saw something about that and I, I change, I've i always changed I said, so, But those that can do teach and those that can't mm-hmm. should please leave the profession and go somewhere else. <laughs> and, and that that's what it should be. And the fact that that still exists and people psych and that's exactly it. Parents see you as almost a second class profession as teachers. They put your kids in your care for eight hours a day, you know, they, they do this, they want the reports, they want them to be good at maths and socially and good at sport. But then when you say, oh, crikey, the washing machine's bust, I'll pay three times more money to get the plumber out to fix my washing machine, but I won't pay the teacher anymore because they're, you know, bah. But hang on, we're looking after your loved ones for eight hours a day, five days a week, or are in a boarding school, you know, 24 seven for 10 weeks at a time. But you still want to pay your lawyer three times more than your teacher. Why is that? And when you have the conversation with parents who do this, especially lawyers, which I absolutely adore, I love that social context when you see a lawyer and you talk to them. Oh, especially they're a parent. Rock and roll, bring it on. <laughs> Pine of Guinness, let's go. But no, but uh, joking aside, that's, that's what's changing. I think the tide is changing. You look at, look at the, um, the health service, not just in the UK and, and Switzerland, but everywhere else. The value people are now placing on nurses and support because of what they've done. It was way, way up on the pedestal. And suddenly because we're coming out of the pandemic, suddenly everyone's just thinking, wow, well, back to normal. Hang on. They they've been massively valuable. And they have been doing that actually for decades and decades and decades. It's not just because of a pandemic. It's been brought into the it's been highlighted. Same with teaching. Oh our teachers have been great, you know, during COVID, they've been going online. Well actually we've been doing that for quite a while. It didn't take a pandemic to see that we still teach, we still deliver, we still inspire mm-hmm. kids whether it's on the end of a kind of Skype or Zoom or it's in the classroom, that hasn't changed. So why, have you said, why has your perception suddenly changed? Oh, I know why. Because both parents are now at home and having to spend time with their children, and they've got to do a bit of teaching. it's blown their mind after an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. And they realize how t- demanding it is. Yeah, you know, Every day, you are in control. You're, you're doing financial budget, health and safety. Over a week, you're teaching, what, 300 kids. So you've got 300 members of staff, You're managing their timeline, you're managing their kind of finances, you're managing their health and safety, you're managing their organisation. That's what a teacher does. And you put that into a corporate context and everyone says, oh my god, here's 500,000, have a salary. That's a lot of responsibility. We're Mm -hmm. doing it, we're doing it all the time. But we're not very good at selling it and teachers are the worst, we contribute to this lack of understanding because we're not good at telling people the context of what we do. And that, mm-hmm. that is inherently what, where this problem lies here about getting buy-in and, t- and good schools need to get, harness teachers together to say we want good practitioners, people who are ferociously intelligent and capable in their subject areas, but we also need you to be amb- ambassadors for what we do because that's how we spread and create interest in our school. And whether, whether you're a fee paid school or you're a state school, you want to create interest in your local community and say, oh, you know what, I want to go to that school there because I've heard some really good things. And if all you hear is earache and stuff about the school, you got to say, no, we don't want to go there, we go here. Teachers are responsible for that, I'm afraid. It's not a marketing department. It's a complete Mm buy-in. Over to you, sir.
0: Yeah, we were talking before the episode about the idea of uh, the missing ingredient that often happens in professions. There was an audiobook that Dave and I were talking about before the episode where they were explaining dissatisfaction in the workplace in very, very high socioeconomically developed Western nations. And they were discussing this idea of this missing ingredient. And the missing ingredient was meaning or purpose behind what you do. And they gave a great example of hospital cleaners who had their job revamped on its side where they were saying, uh, you're no longer just a cleaner, you're somebody who saves lives because infection is the number one cause of death in hospitals. And what they found was just by revamping the role and revamping and reframing the job role uh, to add meaning to uh, the cleaners in this hospital in this study, um, they began to go the extra mile and began to do much more seeing themselves as having a, a very valuable role in inside the school and I was wondering actually what schools should do to sort of add this degree of meaning part of its ideology in terms of what's in the mission statement but another part I think would be brilliant to get former pupils in to motivate their own teachers to explain how they have personally been impacted by the experience they've had by their teachers. I've, I've worked in schools before where we get Former pupils in to talk to the IB2s, mm. basically just something that scare them into realizing that the world is, is out there and it's coming next. But to get your former pupils in to actually talk to teachers and say, you know, when you did this in this class, it impacted me and this is what I got out of it. And when I had this. Uh, experience. So teachers make that that meaning that, that yeah that meaning that we are actually shaping young people as we go along here in this job on a daily basis. The impact that what a teacher does, and it's not always or
1: necessarily subject based. It's just something that they've done whilst they've had that you know that students in their care, which is impacted on the world outside and from the classroom, and I think that's very important to to uh, do. I like the point you made then about phraseology in terms of how you turned it. The example was with the cleaners you said in the mm-hmm. hospital or well, sorry, the support staff, forgive me, the, the way you said, well, you know, it's, your work is actually really helping us to keep this place clean and it's, it's massively important because that's the foundation stone for us to, to have mm-hmm. a clean, well-operating hospital. And to get that into the mindset of those people is brilliant because you then, you, you then get greater buy-in from them because they can understand the worth that they have within the organisation mm-hmm. moving forward. And I think that's a very good point with teachers you can say i'm not sure how you do it but to get that bind, to get them to understand that the worth that they have is over and above just the teaching of their subject and how that can be ingrained into the strategy of the school to develop what it does i think that's really really important because you know lots of schools employ lots of good teachers and we tend to work this is a generalization I accept. tend to work in isolation we're all in our own departments we're all doing our teaching or in our clusters very seldom do we look at the bigger picture, which is you know your finances, your facilities. You know how can we develop the school facility to be more appropriate? You know we've got these two rooms here which are not used. Why are they used? It could be the you know the airflow. It could be the colour of the carpets. You could, whatever it is, but we can all help to contribute to that and get a greater understanding about the worth of the school over and above of just the basic teaching side. But as I said, I come back to it. We're ambassadors for the school. We're ambassadors internally as teachers and ambassadors externally. Parental liaison is the biggest thing. If you say, you know, if, if you constantly moan at a parent, not, not about their child, but you know, you just have a you know bad day and you give them that, that negativity is what they, the parents will remember. And teachers the same with it. We've discussed this in the podcast before. Teachers are very good at picking up negatives. You know, beautifully smart-dressed guy in a school uniform or a girl and they haven't polished their shoes or the top button's undone. We go straight for the negative point, even though the rest of it is really, really good. And it's the same with this. We forget, you know, and I think teachers forget that they are part of a bigger picture. You know, the school is their, is their workplace and they contribute to that in many ways. They can be as basic as just being going to the staff room or an area of social mix where you can have a chat and they talk with people. And it is cultural as well. I've noticed that, you know, that our school, be honest, it's it's more difficult to get that going, partly because of the way people are contracted to so a ship's in the night a little bit, but also because of the, that, getting that culture together. We've talked about this a little bit before. Whereas in other schools that I've been in, it there is no issue with that whatsoever. But there are other areas which aren't as good as here. For example, at our school, where teachers you know contribute to and what have you, and so the management and I think the expectation. And I think it's important. and You mentioned earlier about when you come on interview about things, what attracted you to our school. It's also important, I think, from our side to say, you know, this is how our school. This is what our school expects of you, in terms of your buy-in to what we do, and over and above just the classroom teaching mm-hmm. stuff and you know what do you think of that and that's and quite quickly you can find out whether someone's actually going to come into here and actually contribute to that or they're just here because they enjoy climbing mountains or want a, you know a reasonable salary you, that's what you have to that's a skill set and it ties in with the appraisal of course you know how do teachers you know what is the expectation of teachers what is the job description it's a minefield but it's a wonderful minefield because i mm-hmm. think it's it, it's glorious in terms of helping schools now to, to change. as i said i think we change and and uh, going forward in a really positive way with this but educating teachers on what their roles are within an organisation is paramount.
0: Appraisal is an interesting one because I think the reaction that most teachers have is to get a little bit nervous before an appraisal because nobody really likes to have their performance scrutinised. It's, it's like an inspection isn't it? Well we call them inspections
1: mm. and I remember in the UK in Ofsted or HMC, ISI whatever it doesn't matter what you say to your staff so look, this is not coming in to have a go at you guys and girls it's coming in to look at our school from mm-hmm. a from a thir- from a, th- a different perspective and say this is really good have you thought about doing this you could this could improve not about your teaching but just how we can improve as a school mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter what you say teachers still think crikey someone's coming in they're going to they're looking at me or the quality yeah. of what i do and that's just human nature and i don't know how you can get around that it's like students oh. isn't it you do a little kind of uh, what about a test with students the first question is, does this is feature on my report, what's the grade, what, you know? No, hang on, I just want to see if you've just understood what we just covered. That's all it is. Oh, yeah, but it, uh, yeah. my parents going to know? Well, yeah, if you go on like that, they are, and I'm going to tell them you've got zero, all right? So let's have <laughs> a chat. No, do you know what I mean? It's, you, it's the mindset, that's that's the... Yeah.
0: I think how we look at prisons needs to be changed. In the whole area of education, this is a building up profession. Teachers need to be built up because it's, it's a marathon of a job, it's not always easy teachers have to create the environment they're building up kids but throughout the whole field of education this is about building people up and I think when you have that growth mindset and you have, you're have you using the appraisal not so much to kind of identify the problems with your performance it's more about where can you be built up further then I mm. think there is a shift creating the safe space for making mistakes Yes, agreed Ryan but- just coming back to, again, to your point you made
1: 10 or so minutes ago about phraseology and terminology, we need to change the word appraisal because that, again, that that kind of gives flags for certain people who think, oh, I'm being appraised. That's not the right word, and I haven't got an answer for you. It's like the word Ofsted now in UK. It does Ofsted could be an ice cream van, you know, but it's still, the word Ofsted is, strikes the fear of, of whoever you believe in it, you know, <laughs> into too many people. It's the wrong word now. We need to change that. Appraisalism the right word I haven't got an answer for you but how do we work with external agencies to improve the quality of what we do and to create awareness within ourselves as to those qualities that we already do have Mm -hmm. and that we need to kind of push a bit you know more and things but I don't know how we what we could call it but that's exactly right you know appraisal got. oh crikey I'm being you know someone's going to come in and watch me teach no that's not quite what it is it doesn't I've seen people talk about learning walks. I mean, we can walk now at our age. Do we don't need to learn how to do that? But they call them learning walks. I hate that stuff. Outside the box, no. Stop it. We're not in primary school now. We need to look at other ways to get this information across to the adults that are, happen to be teachers, so they understand that it's this is a positive and supportive thing that we're doing to help the school improve. It's not about Ryan or David, it's about everything else. Of course you're going to get teachers. I mean, if they've turned up with a bottle of scotch and 20 gulwars in a lesson, that's not appropriate. We need to have a word outside. But, you know, th- this is about how do we nurture support and get buy-in from our teachers so they can improve what they do. And funny enough, the, the biggest battles you see in school are, are with the perceived academics who've got various doctorates and things because, how to, you know, why are you challenging me on this? It's not about your, your subject. I'm not talking about your subject. <laughs> You know, knowledge or intellect. I'm talking about the way you practice and what you do, and how can we help you to impart that great mm-hmm. body of knowledge you have got inside that muscle between your ears? How, how do we how do we work with that? How can that contribute to the development of the whole school? You know, I'm glad you know you've got your qualifications, but how does it buy into the rest of what we do? And that's, I think, is a really exciting thing, period of time in education right now.
0: I worked in a school once that an appraisal system asked me that the headmaster was asking me. I was a young teacher. I was about 24, five at the time i believe and the headmaster actually asked me what are your goals Where do you see uh, the nature of your career now and i remember talking to the headmaster in the appraisal system to say I wouldn't mind a little bit of management experience, and as soon as some management posts came up, I was encouraged to apply. But the headmaster actually did leave me in charge of the school for about two weeks once. Is this the school that closed? <laughs> <laughs> school that had burned down. Uh, but the headmaster had to go. It was part of an IB, one of the IB overseas inspections, and there was a couple of things going on. But it was a good chance to throw me in the hot seat. It's a good baptism of fire, isn't it? Yeah, I'd yeah, get a. But in a nice way, I don't mean that. But you know, but it's, it's the best way to do it. It was nice, yeah. And he was about email reach. I could email about any particular. And colleagues
1: around you in the school, yeah, yeah. As well,
0: you know? I thought that was a great example of using an appraisal system. Right, he identified what I wanted to buffer up my CV and to help me, and what my needs were for my career, and, and was able to provide it. And likewise, same headmaster created a system where a group of staff appraised the headmaster, yeah. which I think is a phenomenal idea for you know, for even building communication. You can let the headmaster know in a constructive way. What areas are not working out so well? What did staff think he can do better? But it was all, again, it was not a culture of attacking people. It's all within the context we're here to build each other up and nobody's perfect. That's right. And I think
1: one of the biggest roadblocks to that kind of thing is when people, if you do something like that, I mean, that's a wonderful idea, you know, for, for student or for staff to turn around and then talk to a headmaster or headmistress about what they think about what's going on. That person, that, that leader, that head or that head has to not shut the doors and think they're going to have a go at me here. This is like a shark's tank kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. a kind of, oh, this is a really cool opportunity to, have to sit and have a listen. And if it flags up, you know, some things, it's not about that person necessarily. It's about how we can improve, you know, what we do. There was, there was something I did read about, I can't remember where it was, where the students ran the school for a while, you know, for a day or something. So that, you know, the, the head boy, head girl became the head and the, you know, bursar and, and it was a reversal and they did it for a day. Um, and I think that's quite a cool idea as well, because I think sometimes it's good for, for us to be taken out of our, taken away from our day job and put into a different context. So we get a, a better understanding of, mm-hmm. of things or well, just a different viewpoint, I think. And that's something else when you came back for meaning, your teacher is not just somebody who has a group of kids and tries to get them the best, impart the knowledge and the best results or whatever that, whatever it might be. The job has definitely changed. There's elements of pastoral and everything else, but as I said, there's elements of being brand ambassadors, there's evidence of, you know, being kind of, you know, working with other colleagues and staff on well-being and things, you know, post-COVID there's a lot of that going on now, you know, who can you call, who's your mate, who's someone you can come, you know, confide in and talk to, that contributes to how well you are at work as well. So it's all these things, I mean, it's it's going through massive change and I, I, I really like what's happening at the moment.
0: And I think also adding an extra ingredient, it's every workplace talks about it, but I think a lot of workplaces talk about it in vain, and that's the, the team cohesion. You know, it's, it's common in the international circuit, you get the schools where all the international staff are all having a beer on Fridays and that's, that's sort of normal fare, but really developing that sense of camaraderie. Actually I see it really well in inner city British schools and I I remember being in place of one of them when I was a student teacher and I remember getting told on the first day if you want to scream by a lamp post come into the staff room and let us know and we'll tell you what lamp post to scream at. You know it was that very much, it was a a very strong (laughs) united front the kids are difficult so we're a complete united front in how we deal with kids and that's something I don't see as much in the international circuit barred the the normal cultural fair of teachers hang out a bit and, and things like that there especially when they're living overseas in other countries but building that strong team cohesion that strong united front where you're feeding into belonging everybody's part of the team
1: yeah well as you know we do that on the fridays here now and it's and it, i think it's really good because a lot of staff do talk about things which they probably wouldn't talk about 500 meters up the hill do you know what i mean in the school so they feel slightly more relaxed and they can ask you a question or ryan can ask you a question and you can quite often deal with something which has been nagging in their minds within five minutes whereas if you're if you're back in the day job, it, it becomes a protracted, convoluting, pressured, whatever. But most of this stuff, like parents, you know, quick call in a chat can normally alleviate most of the anxieties or concerns that they might have about their, their child, about something or other. But it's surprisingly difficult for many people to actually engage with that, coming back to the brand ambassador thing. Lots of teachers, despite going to conferences and parents' evenings and all the rest of it, do find it difficult to talk to a parent even though they are fellow adults and fellow human beings they find it difficult for whatever reason it might be and I, I do understand it because I was there the first time I had to speak to a parent about an issue as a teacher was really nerve-wracking experience I remember you know you can remember you get the butterfly and everything. oh crikey well, yeah, I don't want to upset them or do I say the right thing when you know that little Johnny's been an absolute brat in your class and you just want to <laughs> your, your kids are paying you need to sort them out but how do you do that in a, you know the first time you gain experience doing it. You know when you know when to bite and when not to bite, and when to back and what you know just to play the long game. But I think all teachers, as I said, getting that experience is massively important because you get buying as your ambassadors for your school. It's equivalent to you buy a new car, it breaks down, you phone the sales line and you say I've got a problem, the complaints line or whatever they call it now. How do you deal with the customer? How do you calm them down, keep them happy? You know, do yes, will get something sorted or whatever. You mean it's. I think, it's, as I said, it's, I think it's a really exciting part of what education is about. But I know that many colleagues in many schools don't feel that should be part of their job. But mm-hmm. I think, I'm afraid it is now. Whether you're in a state school or a private school, that is part of your job. And the job description, for one of a better term, has changed. And you do have to go down these routes now. In the same way, you know, you mentioned in the comprehensives uh, before, the number of teachers that, you know, go and knock on the doors of the kids they haven't seen for a few days in school and say, look, how is, is easy there? I haven't seen them as, you know, they take it on you know upon themselves to go and do that it's a hell of a profession it's a wonderful profession but it, it is changing yeah so getting buying from teachers i think it yeah it's changed it's massively important but it's a responsibility of the school and i don't want to say leadership management governance but they, you know those those upper echelons of, of school but it, to educate the teachers i think on the value that they bring to what we do and what they bring to our brand i.e the school and how they can best service and that i think is a new area of development within professional development that uh you know that we're putting across to teachers now, especially but not exclusively on the international circuit
0: yeah and that's it uh, it's a challenge facing all schools to keep teachers wanting to commit to the same school and there's so many schools to choose from i think the old uh, excuse that i've heard before this is international circuit teachers don't stay long anyway it's not quite true there's schools out there that do do this and keep oh, a lot of teachers it. for a long time my own
1: school on school in hong kong in you know, the 70s and 80s you know up until quite recently there was still some teachers who were there we had 12 years of almost the same teachers you know so it does work it, it is there there are a lot of schools out there that, that do uh, bring teachers in on uh, I can't say false pretentious it, it's a difficult market now you've got to you know due diligence and that's for another time but yeah get teachers when teachers come in you know you want to do enough with them so they you know to you educate them up you give them professional development um, you give them opportunity to develop their professional CV so well that they can bounce onto something really good elsewhere but then you want to then show them that actually we'd like to give them that support but by the same token, we want to keep you here. Mm-hmm. And so have you considered, we'd like you to consider this area of opportunity. And it's not always about finances. I mean, it, it, there is an element of that, of course, we've got to cut to the chase on that. But it's also a professional opportunity if we can see the value that a, a colleague has um, within the business. What can I say? You know, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so give them what they need to bounce and do well, but do enough to make them to want them to stay. And that's, that's how it should be.
0: That, folks, brings us to the end of the episode. And, yeah, an interesting discussion, David. Nurturing buy-in from teachers. And I'm guessing a hot tub in the staff room isn't the way to do it. A uh, hot tub works, but we probably need a
1: few. Because, we, you know, we, yeah, we'll have to look at that. But I quite like the idea with a beer fridge near the Oh, a oh, lemonade fridge water. Other, other, other refreshments are available. <laughs> um, over to the Euros. England for the Euros. How oh, are Arnon doing in this, by the way? Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, well, we have, we have
0: Scotland. <laughs> we, we have the half-Irish. We've We've got Scotland. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, nice uh, nice one, Ryan. Thank you for the chat. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone.